Good morning. Good morning. So great to be with you guys today. As you can see, I brought, we were kind of like a matching set this morning. <laughs> you can tell I, I was dressed this morning. You know, but, but it's very cooperative kind of dressing. Yeah, I said to people, it's not that we are, um, you know, not necessarily matching, but we are not in, we're not in conflict it's true. With each we're other. not in conflict. Yes, okay. this morning we're not. <laughs> so this morning it's my privilege to get to welcome my bride of 42 years Thank up you. here with me. Thank and you. she has been a mother of four uh, daughters and four son-in-laws now. And she is the Nana of 11 grandchildren. Yay. Yes. <laughs> and she has worked for a number of years here with the special needs children in the public schools here. Uh, but for me, the most important thing she's done in the last several years is she has been the most important partner I could have had to ever build a marriage ministry here. Lock and arms. We, we wouldn't have a marriage ministry here without her partnership and her sacrifice and her diligence. It's um, anyway, so it's been a wonderful opportunity to be partnered together to work on that over these last few years. And truthfully, there really isn't a person on the planet who's had more impact on my life than this woman next to me. There just isn't. Way back when we were in college and I first met her, it didn't take her but maybe, I don't know, two or three meetings before she started to talk to me about Jesus. And matter of fact, I had a couple of her close friends actually come up and say, you know, you should probably think twice about dating her because she is a religious fanatic. That's what they told me. You should probably watch it. So anyways, we had about a year long of uh, many, many, many conversations around the gospel. Yes, we did. Many of them ended up um, in fights and in tears, but Anne just kept coming back to it and coming back to it until one day, you know, the the Spirit of God, you know, led me to her apartment one morning and I ended up kneeling on the living room floor of her apartment and I prayed to uh, ask Jesus to forgive my sins and become the leader of my life. Yes. And I will tell you that I knelt down one person and I got up another person. And what I mean by that is I don't mean that um, all my problems went away and just that, you know, I was, I don't mean anything like that, but there was something that happened to me up until that point in my life because of the way I was brought up. I struggled all the time sort of weighing out the good and the bad of my life. And so I, I moved back and forth between shame and guilt all the time as a kid, all the time. And that day when I stood up, the one thing that God's spirit made so clear to me is that for the first time in my life, I knew yeah. that I was really forgiven. Yeah. All that shame and guilt back and forth, somehow God, he just, he took it away. Yes. And it was, I mean, it's a very powerful thing for me. And, um, so another year or so when we ended up getting married and uh, I discovered that I brought my firm commitment to being fully forgiven into my marriage. But I also found out pretty quickly that this forgiveness thing, that the way it works between human beings yeah, was more difficult. needed a lot of work. Yes. A lot we of work. We both needed a lot yes. of work. So anyway, so this morning, we are going to take a, a close-up look at the continual tug of war between our resistance to repentance and our need for the grace of forgiveness. 
And we're going we, we're gonna to give a couple little words, so we're going to call it the gravity and grace that is alive in every relationship. So gravity, you know, we talked last Sunday, we talked about uh, the, the, the struggle we have with the gravitational pull of self. Like all of us, are, we're all broken, and all of us, our main problem is our struggle with selfishness. And so we had this gravitational pull and it, it wants to drag us into what we call the small story of life. Yeah. You know, the small stories characterized by the question, what about me? What about my needs? And the way we typically get there is simply by the quiet little uh, thoughts that will so often occupy what's going on inside of us that begin to raise those kinds of questions. And so... Last week, you know, we had this chance to talk about this and uh, to go beyond the small story into this invitation that is really centered around grace. It's a gift from God creating this amazing opportunity to be called into a larger story. And that larger story is lived in the safety of a covenant relationship with God. Mm. That's our safety. A God who pursues, remember last week, imperfect people with his unconditional love for a lifetime. And the wonderful thing about that is, I know I fit into that, and so do the rest of us all realize. In other words, there's a God who pursues me. Mm. So he gave us this gift of marriage that we talked about last week to create a concrete and visible parable or a story yeah. of this covenant love on earth. Yeah. Thank you, honey. Go get them. Okay. Well, as we begin this morning, what I'd like for you to do is to grab your handout right there, and you're going to find a quote at the top of that from Philip Yancey that expresses a great, a great hope about the power of forgiveness. And it says this, forgiveness offers a way out. It does not settle all questions of blame and fairness. Often, it pointedly evades those questions, but it does allow a relationship to start over, to begin anew. And so I want you to know, you know, the gravitational pull of self-mixed conflict, what? Common to all marriages and relationships. And as Larry and I stand up here before you, before we give this talk, we just need to confess something to you. We argue and we do fight. We have conflict with each other. So. It's, it's, it's a common thing. We did escape this week a bit of a miracle in preparing a talk. We did not fight this yeah, week. Okay. We almost always <laughs> yeah, have to practice true. forgiveness when yeah, we do anything been, like this. It's been wonderful. So, so, sorry about that. So that's right. So the point is, so in marriage and in friendships, working with coworkers and other family relationships, what I want you to hear is the goal of conflict it is not the goal is not to be in in conflict free. We are not going to be conflict free in our relationships with one another. But this is what we are hope to do. We hope to be able to develop a heart of confession and forgiveness, and that's what deepens the trust with each other and the intimacy that the intimacy of emotional connection that we so desire in our relational world. And Larry and I are gonna talk about that next week. So let's look back here where it says in Ephesians 32, and it tells us this, and this sets up what we're gonna talk about. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another 
as God and Christ forgave you. Now, as we read that, we can see that the scriptures give a straightforward answer to why God asks us to forgive. And it's because that is what God is like. He does that. And as God image bearers, and that is all of us, we who deserve God's wrath receive God's love. And we who deserve God's punishment we receive God's forgiveness. And in Christ alone, that's mm. how you and I stand forgiven. Mm. So 1 John 4.10, love this passage. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice mm. for our sins. Do you know what that passage in one sentence tells us about God? and about our love, it says that our love for God has a source and it's not coming from me. This text says that God loved us first and it's because of his love we love him. So I can't, you can't conjure up love for God. You can't create it, you can't manufacture it, you can't make it happen. This is a beautiful thing because we can love God because he has resourced us by his love for us mm -hmm. to love him. He loves you. And that's the energy to return that love, to experience his love. In the same way, forgiveness has a source. Mm -hmm. And the source of our forgiveness is what? Mm -hmm. It is God's forgiveness for us. Mm -hmm. So the more that you and I spend some time thinking about how profoundly we have been forgiven. It's the seedbed of a grace-filled forgiveness mm -hmm. for yeah. others in your life. Mm -hmm. You know, the Greek word for forgiveness mm -hmm. can mean a number of different things. It can mean to let go. It can mean to release. It can mean to untie. It can mean to, to bear another's burdens. There's a lot of things it can mean kind of a broad meaning. And you know, the, the reality is our lives sometimes end up a little like this rope. Like our relationships are like a tug of war. Like this is just how we live with each yeah. other sometimes. And, and when we do, we start getting knots in the rope. And these knots can be, oh. Um, unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. They could be anger outbursts. They could be violations of trust. You know, they, they can be, um, you know, just not, following through on something you said you were gonna do. It could be a tone in your voice, a sarcastic response. It could be any of these things. Right. And every one of those things can slowly be, like you, you put another knot in the rope, another knot in the rope, and if you, what happens is yeah. you keep pulling on it. Yeah. Have you ever tried to get a knot out of a rope when there's tension on it? You can't. <laughs> you can't do it, you can't. So I wanna show you a video clip this morning from a movie that um, shows a couple with a lot of knots on the rope. And what I want you to do as you listen to this is mm -hmm. I want you to listen to all the small story talk that goes on before the conversation escalates beyond where it should ever go. So let's watch the screen.
you doing? So you left me no pizza. Caleb, I just lit that candle. I like the way it smells. Well, I don't. Did you leave me any dinner at all? I assumed you were eating with Michael. Does it not occur to you that there are two people living in this house and both of them need to eat? You know what, Caleb? If you would communicate with me, maybe I could have something for you. Why do you have to make everything so difficult? Oh, I'm making everything difficult? Seems to me like I'm the one carrying the weight around here while you're off doing your own thing. Excuse me? I'm the one out there working to pay this mortgage and I pay for both of the cars. Yeah, and that's all you do. I pay all of our bills with my salary. Which you agreed to do. That's fair. Do you not like this house? Do you not like your car? Oh, Caleb, who takes care of this house? Yeah. Me. Who washes all the clothes? Me. Who gets all the groceries? Me. Not to mention I'm helping my parents every weekend. You know, I've got all this pressure on me, and the only thing you ever do for anybody is for yourself. Let me tell you something. You don't know the first thing about pressure. All right? You think I, I put out house fires for myself? Or, or rush to car wrecks at 2 a.m. for myself? Or pull a child's body out of a lake for myself? You have no idea what I go through. Oh, yeah, but what do you do around here other than watch TV and waste time on the Internet? You know what? If looking at that trash is how you get fulfilled, that's fine, but I will not compete with it. Well, I sure don't get it from you. And you won't, because you care more about saving for your stupid boat and pleasing yourself than you ever did about me. Shut up! I'm sick of you! You disrespectful, ungrateful, selfish woman! I'm not selfish. How dare you say that to me? You constantly nag me and you drain the life out of me! I'm tired of it! If you can't give me the respect I deserve, look at me! Then what's the point of this marriage? I want out. I just want out. If you want out, that's fine with me! <laughs> that's just uncomfortable to watch. Even if you've seen it before, it's uncomfortable to watch. And thankfully, it's, it's a movie. However, here's what I know is true. In a room or a church our size, I know there's a percentage of us in our own church body that end up sometimes escalating to that level in an argument. Mm. And sometimes it happens because there's so many knots in the rope mm -hmm. that are still knotted up and still have two people yanking on their end of the rope. And I just wanna say to you that what happened at, at the end of that video in particular yeah. is abuse. That's what it was. It was physically intimidating, you know, the proximity, the face, the, the tone, the yelling, the screaming, the threatening. It, it was it that yeah. that's bullying. abuse, the bullying, yeah. Yeah, it was bullying. And I, I just, I wanna beg you that if that goes on in your relationships, I don't care if it only happens once every three months, you need to go get help. Our, our disagreements should not get to that place. Mm -hmm. We need help if our disagreements right. reach that point of volatility and anger and loss of control. Yeah. But let me, let me back that thing up just a little bit. Because what you saw in there is you saw right. unresolved past issues, mm -hmm. right? 
You saw unmet expectations. You saw the need and accusation for fairness, this 50-50 thing. You know, I'll do my part if you do your part. And you saw the escalation of finger pointing and absolute statements ultimately escalating to the point where the anger was abusive and people do what? They threaten to leave the relationship. So the question is, um, when we experience painful knots in our rope like that, um, number one, back in your handout there, how does process of seeking forgiveness begin? All repentance, all repentance begins with a humble willingness to admit to God and to yourself that you are wrong, that you are wrong. And the key to this sentence is humbly willing to admit to God. And you know, I think it is so easy for us to ignore this first step. And I think it's because when we go back to God, he is probably more than likely going to share something with us that we need to work on with ourself first. And so honey, so, the yeah, word- that calls us to repentance, yes. you know, and sometimes when you hear the word repentance, some of us might think of an angry preacher that we grew up with, but you know, repentance mm-hmm. is really, it's a, it's a change of direction. It's mm-hmm. moving away from God mm-hmm. to move towards him. Mm-hmm. It is agreeing with God about what he's pointed out or right. what he's called sin in your life. Yes. So repentance is a grace word. It's God's invitation to us. And I like when you said it means turning away what harms you. I mean, it really does. Yeah. So, you know, when God exposes something to us, and like Larry said, I want to say it again, it is his grace. And we hear that many times here at Fellowship. And really, again, was Larry and I are up here, that grace is we want to keep on saying to you, it is an invitation, first of all, to examine your own heart. And to ask yourself, what pattern or what habit of mine that might be contributing to the conflict? Could it be reflexive, reflexive anger? Um, do, am I a person that blame shifts? How have I shown disrespect in this relationship? Do I withdraw or do I hold on to bitterness? How about sarcasm? Does that play anything in your your relationships? Am I trying to retaliate or restore, punish or pursue peace? And this is really the heartbeat of repentance. And we must be, we must be specific, being willing to accept responsibility for any of the consequences and be willing to address the attitudes and the desires that may have led to the defense. Hmm. You know, 2 Corinthians 7.10 is a passage that um, has helped me examine the condition of my own heart and helped me as I've sat with many people or couples over the years to help them think about it. It says, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Hmm. So what's the difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Mm -hmm. Well, worldly sorrow cannot shake loose from from our pride, our defensive posture, or the discomfort that we've been found out. Right, and worldly sorrow is being more concerned about yourself of your bad feeling and guilt 
and wanting to relieve those feelings. Worldly sorrow comes from being caught. Yeah, being exposed, yes. Worldly sorrow does not focus on the pain that has been caused in the one who was hurt. Worldly sorrow, and this is what the scriptures tell us, worldly sorrow brings death to our spirit and to our relationships. So I, I just want you to put, tuck that passage away because it's a great way to examine your own heart. Godly sorrow means that I value our relationship more than my own pride or my need to be right. I am willing to sacrifice something in me for us, for us. Godly sorrow produces a repentance that can lead us back to mm. relational hope and wholeness. Here's the truth. Couples don't fall out of love. We fall out of repentance. Right. That's what we do. They don't fall out of love because we stop saying, I love you. We fall out of love because we stop saying, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Right. You know, so what does repentance look like? Well, we got to be willing to say it. Name the offense. Be willing to say you're sorry. Be specific. Be willing to repent. It's a willingness to, to examine what caused the hurt and turn the other direction and be willing to ask for forgiveness. Not just go, I think I'll quietly, well, I'll try to change my behavior and maybe they'll notice. But you have to speak the words. Yes. You have to speak the words. So number three there says, what does the gift of authentic forgiveness require from the wounded person? First, I want to begin to start and let's look at what forgiveness is not. So A says there, true forgiveness is not pretending. It is not pretending that, some, that something did not happen. You know, withdrawal in silence is not our friend in this situation. And the loss of the voice only compounds oftentimes the painful effect of whatever the offense has already been committed against us. True forgiveness is not conditional. And I know the idea that I even said, not conditional. Um, the idea of unconditional forgiveness can make a hurting heart simply refuse to forgive. This is just too painful. I can hear it being said into your, into your mind. But what I want to do this morning is I want to encourage you. When God forgives us, he does not assume that either you or the one that has been wounded, that has, that has wounded you, is a finished product. Neither one of you are. And so forgiveness is meant to change us, not to leave us where we are. And when we forgive someone, we become, we become this living example of hope. And, then it's, and again, what Larry's talked about earlier, it's an extension of God's grace. We keep on using that word, grace. We heard it in our songs this morning. And this is where it can begin to happen. And it sets, it sets the table of something possibly new to begin. So our prayer needs to be, Lord, please help me. Help me posture my heart towards yours. And what we are, need to be crying out is, 
Lord, what would it actually look like for me to join you in the work of forgiveness? Help me to surrender. Help me to trust the work of your spirit and your word that desires, it wants to bring something new and life-giving in us and, and to heal the pain in this journey of forgiveness. Lord, begin with me. So as Larry and I, I know, and I want to stop here, as Larry and I talk about forgiveness, we also know and we realize that there may be some of you out there that are in a crisis in your marriage or you have a crisis in a relationship and your trust has been violated. We understand that. Forgiveness journey for you may need that because of that outside intervention. So important. Time to be able to help develop healthy boundaries so you have an opportunity to heal. True forgiveness is not forgetting. Now listen, I can forget someone's name five minutes after they've actually told me. I had seconds. <laughs> you got oh, yeah, a I'm lot sorry. better memory than I do. <laughs> and that's what I meant to say. <laughs> and I you know, also can have a thought down at the stairs and by the time I get back up, to the, up at the top of the stairs, I have forgotten what it was or what I'm supposed to be up there to retrieve. And you know what I can also tell you? It usually takes me two trips back and forth into the home before I can leave with everything that I need. Can anybody relate to that? But you know what? There are certain things that we are great at remembering. We are great at remembering. You know, I think we have grown um, used to this phrase, forgive and forget, but really two have nothing to do with each other. They have nothing to do. We do not forget deep hurts. We don't. So forgiveness is not condoning what the person has done to you, but this is what I would love for you to be able to ponder. God hasn't forgotten our sins because he is all-knowing. He is all-knowing, but he simply chooses to love us as if he has, and he has. Lord, again, it brings us back to this again. Lord, would you look into me, help me, what does it mean for me to join you in this journey of forgiveness? And God, would you continue to help my heart posture it towards yours? And you know, I realize that this is a constant plea that we go over and over and we come back to the Holy Spirit. It's not just a one and done thing that we ask him to help us lay down our hurt memories and to be able to let him go. So true, true forgiveness is not an automatic cure for the hurt. You know, when you forgive, you are not making a commitment not to hurt. You are making a commitment about what you will do with the hurt when it flares back up. Mm. B says granting forgiveness is a supernatural response to hurt. So forgiveness is going to be an act of forgiveness. And by forgiving another, I'm trusting I'm trusting the God that God is a better justice maker than I am. And by forgiving, it means leaving all issues of fairness for God to work out. Let him do that. I wanna remind us again of the quote from the top of our outline. Forgiveness offers a way out. It does not settle all questions of blame and fairness, and often it poignantly invades those questions 
but it does allow a relationship to start over and to begin new. And so I know when I have found myself in a places of stuckness, and I know that's, that's all true for all of us, what I, I implore you to do is to be able to go to a godly person, a friend, someone that can counsel you and to be able to speak truth in your life and to be able to help you with getting unstuck with the unforgiveness and maybe perhaps even seeing a professional counselor. Mm. So granting forgiveness is also, it's an act of obedience to God. Mm. You know, just before I came to fellowship 15, 16 years ago, I had, Ann and I and our family had planted a church in Michigan and I was, uh, after 13 years, I was fired by my couple, some of my very closest friends with virtually no process. And um, our entire family was pretty profoundly wounded in the entire process. So a few days after that started at Haven, you know, we gathered our four girls in our living room and Ann and I were with them and we looked, looked at them and we said, you know, we don't have to wonder what God wants for us to do here. We know that God wants us to seek forgiveness from those people that have harmed us here. But I know that none of you in the room are ready for that. I'm not ready for that. But I want to speak those words out to all of you as a family because I want to put them out in front of us as something that we can chase by faith, that we can trust God that he will do in us what we need him to do. In other words, we were asking God, God, would you help the broken heart, the painful emotions catch up with what we know is right to do in our mind? And all I can tell you is it, it didn't happen overnight. Um, matter of fact, it took several, you know, tries to, to walk into forgiveness and then have to wrestle your emotions mm, down. Right. But ultimately, that expression of forgiveness led to the opportunity to um, rebuild several really broken relationships before we left to come here. Yeah, and I think what it did for all of us is it took the weight off of something that I, you know, couldn't conjure up and it was now being able to give it onto the shoulders of God to be able to do something. And we also learned that our act of obedience yeah. to forgive actually began to concretely happen while we were still in some pain. Yes. Pretty much the way Jesus did it on the cross. Yeah. I mean, Jesus could have waited till after the resurrection to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they did. Right. But when he was still in the middle of his suffering, he engaged our forgiveness. Yes. There's something for us to learn in that and to trust God for. Yes. So granting forgiveness is also a choice to set your spouse free from the debt of their offense. Mm-hmm. You know, in other words, you're willing, the forgiver is willing to take on some of the pain that was inflicted on them by the one they're forgiving. When we grant forgiveness, we give up the right to punish. So we don't punish by our behavior by our words, by our attitudes, because if we do, you know, ultimately it nullifies 
our forgiveness, really. And before you go, what I'd like for you all to do right now is, oh, yeah. you know, if <laughs> forgot. that's okay. That's what, that's why we're here together, yes. honey. Uh, what we, I'd like you to do is to be able to take your hands off, if, you know, over your spouse, you don't have to do it over a stranger Only if or you're, you're somebody friend. you know. Yeah. Okay. So we're not going to ask you to have to do that. But go ahead, and what Larry's doing, yes. put it like this over their head, and we'd like for you just to hold it there. And don't rest your and elbows on anything. Yeah, don't rest your elbows so, or rest your hand on the person's head. It is over the person's head. Both spouses do it to each other. And you do it both. You and both if, you gotta, if you're sitting next to a friend, just don't do it to a stranger. Okay. And leave them, leave them up and don't rest them on anything Larry until we tell you, know. you, okay? Okay, go ahead. So we give up the right to punish don't rest those arms on anything. <laughs> Granting forgiveness also gives up the right to bring it up again. So I'm not going to bring this incident up again. I'm not going to use it against you. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to dwell on this in my own head just to f justify any choices mm -hmm. I might make. Granting forgiveness is also gives up the right to get even, which is a sign of bitterness. Okay, now... If I were to ask you to like leave your hands up there for very much longer and you don't rest them on anything, pretty soon you're gonna start feeling the blood start flowing down your arms, you feel a little tingling in your fingers. Well, what if, what if that was a representation of the bitterness or unforgiveness you were holding over someone else? You can figure out pretty quickly that the person that hurts the most is the one that's holding the bitterness, right? Who's really feeling the yes, pain. Yes, who's feeling the pain. So you can put your arms down. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you'll remember, if you don't remember anything else, you'll remember the blood ran yes. out of your arms right so, there. So granting forgiveness is the first step toward rebuilding trust. Forgiveness can happen with one person. Reconciliation, though, takes two. Hmm. And trust is to rebuild through consistent behavior over time. And so what we'd like now, when we come to, is we'd like for you now to watch what a moment of asking forgiveness really looks like. Let's watch the screen. Caleb, I want to believe that this is real. But I am not ready to say that I trust you again. I understand that. But whether you ever reach that point or not, I need you to understand something. I am sorry. I have been so selfish. For the past seven years, I have trampled on you with my words and with my actions. I have loved other things when I should have loved you. In the last few weeks, God has given me a love for you 
that I have never had before. And I have asked him to forgive me. And I am hoping, I am praying that somehow you would be able to forgive me too. I do not want to live the rest of my life without you. Caleb, I'm supposed to give those divorce papers to my lawyer next week. I just, um... I need some time. To think. You can have all the time you need. Sometimes nothing explains it better than a picture, does it? You know, what we just witnessed right there is we saw someone let go of his end of the rope. So if one of us puts our end down, it doesn't guarantee forgiveness will happen. But all of a sudden, there's an opportunity created that wasn't there before when we were both pulling and keeping tension on the knots constantly. Mm. Now the possibility of forgiveness, of repentance, of reconciliation, at least has a glimmer of light. And you'll note as he went through his forgiveness, Mm. he started with God. That's where he went first. He repented to God first. And he brought that repentance to his wife. And what you saw was humble, it was gentle. It was the posture of his heart, right? You could, you could feel the humility and the grace in that. And it really is a beautiful picture of what possibilities might exist to give God's spirit room to work if just one of us Mm. will put down their end of the rope. And imagine when God moves and we both drop it. Yeah. (laughs) New opportunities exist when that happens. You know, where we started, Mm -hmm. be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. You know, the beautiful thing is that forgiven people Hmm. forgive others. Yeah, they sure do. They do. And just as for some of us that are just in a really hard place, and I know that I know some of you are, what would it be like Hmm. to trust God with your pain? Because sometimes that's the only solution for a season. So, you know, we started this morning talking about gravity and grace, a part of every relationship, the pull of gravity, the the gravitational pull of self 
and the beautiful gift of grace. So gravity and grace was the tug of war that played out on the cross. Jesus paying the penalty for the gravitational pull of sin and offering us his sweeping gift of grace. If you've got your communion elements, why don't you open those up? And you know, as we begin to share communion, again, like Larry, you said, we, we want to remember triumph of grace over gravity, don't we? And this is why we take it. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 24 tells us, on the night that the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which for you, do this in remembrance of me. Hmm. Take the bread. You know, and as he spoke the words of forgiveness in the midst of his suffering, in a sense, he put the end of his rope down for the world and he's awaiting our response. So on the night that the Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took, also took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink the cup together.